Hello and welcome to episode 147 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, Stephen. Hey, friends. And Matt. Good evening. Now, first things first, sorry about our two-week hiatus. Um, everyone's been, like, jet-setting about or just been, like, frightfully busy or sick and, you know, news has been a few and far between. But fear not, the wheels are back on the wagon. Uh, and Matt, in the meantime, has been celebrating uh, the birthday of um, Rocket League, haven't you, Matt? You've been playing heaps of it. Yeah, it's it's three years old. Um, I've, I've been having lots of fun. I still suck badly three years on. <laughs> Um, I still watch videos of people who are like full on pros doing flips in the air and stuff and, and, you know, hoping that one day I, I won't be as terrible, but no, it's been really cool. They had like this whole event. They've been doing a lot of events recently. Um, mm. you know, sort of with every season, um, and yeah, I was going to I was going to ask like just prior to us hitting record on this podcast in between our Lego conversation, um, you were uh, you were playing a bit, and I'm kind of curious because I've not played it since I think they added the hoops kind of game mode. Um, so it's been a fair wee while since I played any. Like how how does the game look nowadays? And, and there's obviously so, still tons of people following it. It's 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 like at one point there was a minor graphical update, so it still looks really crisp and sort of shiny and everything. Um, mm. They they changed a lot of the drops, so you know you were getting you know, better items and stuff. They've included. Uh, decryptors for crates so now you don't have to buy keys um, when they have events so basically they have events where you play games and you uh, you know get tokens or whatever the token is at the time so recently they had the birthday event and they you get balloons um, and you know you can trade in the balloons for uh, either items they have or uh, you know crates and decryptors uh-huh. and stuff um so for the birthday event they had golden eggs which were basically they functioned as crates but you didn't know what you were going to get it was just a complete surprise um and so they were about 150 balloons each um and each game you get anywhere between like three to like 20 balloons um i'm not sure what the the drop rate for balloons were but you know after after a fair few games you can trade them in for trade them in for items and stuff um and I actually so managed are you managing to, to avoid kind of pumping money into the game? Like, are you able to sort of kind of play it and well, steadily I think, unlock things? I think you... the, like the, I've only spent maybe $5 um, on Rocket League in the three years. Okay. And that was only because there was a couple Jeez. of car, ski- car skins that I wanted to buy. Um, mm. And they were, they were like $1.50 each or something. So, you know, like you, you, you spend the money that you want to spend. You don't have to spend it. But I've got like tons of crates that... You know, if I wanted to spend a fortune, I could probably unlock a ton of stuff. But I'm not—I'm not the one who really wants to pay for for keys, if I'm honest, because it's not something yeah. that adds any advantage to, to the game. It just—you know—yeah, it's just cosmetic. It's just cosmetic. But um, some of the stuff but I've unlocked you... through events and stuff has been like okay. either rare items or like really good items. So. It's yeah, like I think that the the fact that they've kind of opened that up a little bit more, um, yeah. it's not that whole you know loot crate thing of uh, you know oh you, you get better drops and this and that and everything else. It's it's almost like uh, you know Fortnite esque is that yeah you you um, basically pay to make your character or your, your car look different. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Fortnite, that's a that's a game I've 
we certainly started pumping money into big time because it's still got its hooks deeply in me. Um, whilst we've been off air, Stephen, um, Fortnite Season 5 has dropped. Have you been playing a bit of that? Not as much as I normally would, but I, I have been jumping in every now and then. Uh-huh. I'm amazed at how, once again, it shouldn't be a surprise anymore, but they've changed the map up so much. Like they've got yeah. those weird little like rifts in space time where you just jump in and you fall from the sky again. And you can use that as just like a way to quickly move around the map and golf carts. Mm. Holy sp- ah, golf carts! How they're so goddamn fun. Did you? Um, yeah. Did you see the video of? Um uh oh what was it muzelk yeah, the, the streamer yeah. <laughs> who uh tried to save the guy who was stuck in the edge of the map and um as he literally, went down with yeah. the golf he went down with the golf cart he knocked him off the map instead <laughs> <laughs> i literally watched that about an hour ago and it's incredible please please look it up anyone who hasn't seen that <laughs> yeah i think they've now um put like a, a graves i don't want to spoil the video because i think it's better kind of watching but there's yeah, there's uh, something symbolizing that moment, I think, on the map now, which is pretty pretty special. Um, it's quite a yeah, journey. Season, season five has been awesome. I love how much they're sort of changing up the game. Um, I want to talk about this some more a little bit later in the cast, but, um, you know, the pace of the game feels kind of radically different now, and um, and I'm just kind of very willingly pumping money into it now. The, um, those I'm fairly sure I've mentioned that on the podcast, but I'm a big sort of fan of the Vikings, if that's possible for you to be a fan of yes. the Vikings. Dude, they're um, and, so good. Uh, like the level 100 skin you get in this season. Holy yeah. crap. looks incredible. I'm going to have to make sure I see it to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to buy that Magnus skin when that came out and buy the matching pickaxe as well. Um, and yeah, hopefully I'll get right the way through the battle pass so I can get like all the, the complimentary stuff as well. Um, but that was like the first time just like without thinking about it. I was just like, sure, buy more V-Bucks. I want that skin. I was just all <laughs> Done. in. Um, but another thing that happened uh, whilst we've been off air um, was the Uncharted fan film that uh, it was teased by Nathan Fillion for like a couple of days and then eventually released. Uh, Matt, as our sort of like resident film buff, uh, what did you make of the Uncharted fan film and, and seeing Nathan role, Nathan Fillion in the role he was destined for? Uh, I, I, well, look, I haven't really followed along the whole uncharted thing if i'm honest like it's been uh-huh. the, it's been the one series that i know i need to play and whatever i've fought like i've 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 paid attention to it but it's not something i've 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 played actively and stuff like that and you know okay. i can i can see why he'd be the perfect sort of you know example of uh, nathan, you know, nathan drake um mm. and everything um i thought it was done really well um especially the moment um I don't want to spoil it too much because I feel people, especially Uncharted fans, should really watch it. Um, yeah. But when he, you know, when he jumps out the window and there's that moment where everyone goes, "Oh yeah, that's really cool, isn't it?" Just the way they did it. Mm. Um, but uh, having said that, it also makes me really sad because it makes me realize that you know making short films like that in the US is so much easier than making them here in Australia <laughs> mm-hmm. um and therefore you know it just gets me all down um that you know i i don't have the resources to be able to create something as cool here as as they do over there so yeah i yeah. i was amazed by the the quality of it like i thought it's so it's only about like 50 minutes long and when it ends it was just like Oh, just like damn I just wish this could kept going and it was like a full sort of 90 minute feature um, 
and I reckon like if that's if that's the team that that's all the sort of team they could assemble to make an Uncharted film, and it wasn't sort of like a massive big budget Sony produced film, I wouldn't care. Like I just want a team of people that are as passionate enough about the series as that team obviously was to make something. Like it doesn't it doesn't have to be over the top crazy special effects. Like just something that's kind of very true to the source material like that. I would have absolutely adored i think the um, other the other thing is is you know if you look at sort of how video games translate to movies and stuff like that and mm. the fact that there's been so many flops i think it's more to do with the fact of like what you're in your what you're bringing to the audience as well as like how how easily it's going to translate over to you know a different medium i mean you look at stuff like assassin's creed and there's a lot behind that like the basically the if the the entire first game was spent building the whole world and everything um because you had the animus technology and stuff like that and then of course they're bringing it to a, a bunch of people who go okay i have no clue what any of this is because i don't play video games but i want to see the movie and then of course that's why that's half the reason it gets panned the other half is because it wasn't a great movie um mm. but you know with something like uncharted in the same vein as like you know tomb raider which the films weren't terrible but they weren't great but in the same vein as like indiana jones and stuff is it's it's that kind of adventure spirit thing you know story where you can kind of encapsulate it in a movie like it translates a hell of a lot better than you know yeah. movies where they've got to build the entire law and everything so i feel like even you know like again having not significantly jumped into the uncharted world it still felt like a, a lot more of a action adventure you know movie that as a standalone movie could still be a thing, you know, like it's, mm. it's, it's just Nathan Fillion playing, uh, you know, uh, an adventure character. Um, yeah. so I think that, you know, like I, I reckon that it's a good, it, I, it's almost, it, it almost feels to me as if it could be the same sort of thing as what they did when they did the, uh, the Deadpool, uh, trial thing where they had, uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds do the, the Deadpool trial, um, and then it turned out they were going to make the movie, you know, like I think God, I hope so. that, you know, that little short that they made um, of him in action and then they turned it into, you know, the Deadpool movie was really good. And I, th I feel like it's the same sort of vein is that, you know, with the amount of people watching it and getting excited and everything, it might be worth exploring. So mm. we can only hope. I love that that moment as well, where like um it sort of transitions um, into the more of sort of a, a kind of a gameplay sort of moment, I guess. And the aspect ratio shifts from sort of being letterbox to being like the full 16 by nine. That and, was the bit I was, uh, I was trying not to spoil for people. Oh so. no, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a spoiler. Um, but yeah, that moment is, that moment is great where it's like, okay, this is kind of gameplay and you get like the stabilized sort of camera kind of over the shoulder. Um, I thought that was brilliant. And it's just like, you know, this is people that are obviously like fans of the video game making something that they're extremely passionate about. I loved it. Did you love it too, Stephen? Were you really excited about it? I haven't seen it. Whoops. Oh, you got to um, get on it. I feel like everything you're saying, it sounds, and I guess from what I know of the game, it almost seems like the game itself is modeled around like adventure cinema. So it would make sense yeah. that it kind of works the other way. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've been busy, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, all I have to say. <laughs> you raise a very good point. Like it is, it is very, it, it's you know a film like based on a very cinematic game. Um, yeah, I feel like you could take the highlights of well. most. Um, yeah, you can take the highlights of most Uncharted games and 
make that into a film, just kind of take out the hours of yeah. walking place to place and climbing and maybe 30, keep like 20% of the gunfight length and you'd have a movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a very good point. Uh, all right, well, let's dig into some of the news, um, of which there's just a little bit that I, I felt like we needed to discuss today. Uh, but first, uh, there's been some rumors that have surfaced about two potential uh, new Xbox consoles um, scheduled to be released in 2020. So it's a little little way off, mind you. I guess that's in like two years away. Time flies. Um, one of the consoles seems to be a traditional console, albeit substantially more powerful than the current generation. Um, but the second console, however, is where it gets more interesting. Um, it's reportedly used uses Xbox Game Pass service and is cloud and cloud-based computing to run games remotely uh, via the internet. Um, Stephen, how comfortable would you be playing games via an internet connection? Um, if I had the internet connection for it, I'd kind of be all for it. Like it does seem like the next next logical step after Game Pass. It's Game Pass is a great idea for right now because. You know, even if you've got decently fast internet, it's still nicer to just have a game to download and play it and you don't have, you sort of get that same subscription idea. But once, mm. it, it sort of seems like they're they're building towards what is inevitably going to be the way games will be delivered. It'll be, you'll mm. have no more complaining about day one patches, no more complaints about street dates breaking or just all of the weird little idiosyncrasies of retail or even just digital game purchasing It'll just be you log into your account. There's all the games you can play. Choose one. Go for it. And I don't, I don't know. It's interesting because there's been a couple of other companies that have done similar things and it hasn't really taken the world by storm. You've got like NVIDIA's Game Stream and PlayStation Now, but no one really cares about those. But I can I can see it, you know, once once we get a few years, like 2020-ish, I think the rumors are saying, like it yeah. could be a nice way for, you know, if you want to play games and not, buy a $600 Xbox One X, then you can still get the same performance that you would out of an Xbox One X and it kind of becomes an enticing idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've obviously seen, you know, music kind of shift over to streaming, TV and movies, obviously, with the likes of Netflix. Do you think, Matt, that this is just a natural progression for video games as, as the sort of industry grows and evolves that it's going to follow suit and go the way of streaming? Look, I, I, as much as it pains me to say it, I think that, yeah, digital is the way it's everything's going um, purely because, uh, well, one, it removes, you know, sort of the costs of physical uh, sort of releases that, uh, you know, that, that cost money, like, you know, to print, to, to create and everything. Um, and the second is, you know, it's, it's faster distribution. It's, you know, basically it's, it's a malle- malleable thing rather than having to continuously release, you know, patches to interact with the mm. game and install it. It basically is, you know, it's something that can be edited and everything. You can continuously download updates regardless. Um, I think the biggest problem that they face that uh, I think we've faced since the previous generation, cause they, they did kind of, you know, look at it in the previous generation is the fact that uh, like worldwide internet standards are all over the place. Um, I mean, you've just got to look at us here in Australia and how much of a shambles it is, you know, where uh, even like, you know, certain suburbs here in Melbourne, you know, for, for instance, have NBN and they've had it for years. Like where I live has had NBN since basically day one. Um, Yet two suburbs over there's, 
there's no plans for NBN, you know, in the foreseeable future. You go and you look at the maps and everything that say, uh, you know, this area is under consideration and this area is in, in a rollout stage. Um, yeah. and it's not even on there. And, and so, you know, it's going to, it's going to be difficult for them to really capitalize on a market like ours, unless they're able to, you know, work out a distribution method digitally that, benefits everyone um like i know gaming's a niche but at the same time it's like yeah depending on where you live you're going to either be able to stream and download games or you're going to spend weeks you know doing that so yeah i don't know it's it's a it's a double-edged sword in that regard um but you know like you can see that gaming companies want to start moving forward i mean like we've been in this generation mm. for a little while it doesn't look like it's slowing down i mean we're still you know hitting triple a titles and stuff but um who knows maybe it's just a sort of a spin-off rather than an evolution of the xbox line so yeah and that's what it seems to be at this stage and i think that's uh, if, if we were to believe these rumors slash leaks whatever they may be um that seems to be that they're not kind of doubling down on it that they're sort of you know having the two kind of operate side by side and and trying to win people over i guess and i think that makes a lot of sense kind of ease people into the idea and those markets that and maybe have internet dif- like issues like you know vast vast um, regions of australia um that that's still there for them as a as a uh, as an option um, it kind of like makes me think of the like the initial reveal of the xbox one how Mm. it was sort of the same idea but they went about it in such a i don't know a way that they kind of seemed like they thought they would get this perfect the first time and clearly they didn't like they had you know what what's your option for people who don't have good internet for people like those we have the xbox 360 and it's like "Mm, that's a bit dodgy but now it's like okay you can still buy a console that will play the games natively in your house and that's fine but if you want a cheap little streamy box that can get the same games and you, you know, want and you have the ability to actually use it, then here's an option and it kind of gives you all the bonuses that they were looking at with the whole digital first library, I guess, that they were promising with the Xbox One to start with. They're kind of uh-huh. getting that same idea and approaching it from a more uh, flexible standpoint, I guess. Yeah, and it makes it makes so much sense. And, and exactly like you said as well, this seems to be... If again, if this is true, this seems to be them learning that lesson, right? Because they they were already sort of making that move, I think, with Xbox One as it was initially pitched, um, and we've seen EA sort of come out at E3 this year as well and and say the same sort of thing that this is obviously sort of the direction I think the the industry uh, manufacturers and publishers kind of want to be going to want to be going um, mm. purely, I think, for sort of like you know cost cutting purposes. It's just easier, and more convenient a business for them, and I think ultimately will sort of benefit fit the the consumer um you know i think it's going to cut down the cost of games and make them cheaper and easier more easily accessible for us in theory um uh hopefully it'll sort of remove kind of like backwards compatibility issues stuff like that yeah Um, that's a big deal there's no such thing as backwards compatibility if you could just play every game on the cloud like you just have a cloud 360 who cares it's all good yeah yeah i assume i assume that's not going to be an issue um but uh, what do you come down on, I guess, like the sort of counter sort of argument to this, you know, sort of the old physical versus digital debate? Um, you know, from my perspective, I'm someone that still very much likes buying games physically and, and having that collection that's there and that I can sort of share with friends and whatnot. I still buy a lot of my music um, physically as well on, on CD. Um, but I appreciate that I'm sort of like the odd one out there. Um, but Matt, I know that you have quite a connection with analog film. Um, so do you do you 
sort of feel kind of like a sort of nostalgic element, I guess, to kind of hold on to physical media? Uh, I look. I I've always been of the the idea that I like getting something for my money. Um, mm. I, you know, I I don't know. It's it's, it's something tangible. Yeah, mean. it's a yeah. it's a you know. It feels like you've actually spent money on something. You know, like it's it's something you can hold. It's something that you know occupies space. And I, I like. I know it's it's probably not a great way of thinking because it's. You know, it's it's one of those things that, like, you know, you, you buy a lot of other stuff and then five months down the track you throw it out because you don't need it anymore or you don't want it and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah. I, you know, f- same sort of thing with, like, movies and stuff. Like, movies, games, um, you know, to a lesser extent, CDs. I don't, like, CDs I can kind of, eh, I can get past. Vinyl, vinyl's probably a cool one, though. Yeah. Um, but I think, it's, I think it's that whole sort of... You know, like you, you get it and you own it, and you know, like if your internet's down and it's not an online game, of course you can play it. Like I, we, you know, the majority of us here grew up in the console generation where cartridges were how you play games. You know, like you bought a game and it came on a cartridge and you put the cartridge in, and you know, you didn't even have to worry about online stuff and everything. And I think that's you know that it's just a, a you know stemming from that. It just yeah, I yep. I I like to buy things and I like to see it on the shelf, you know, and and whatever. Having said that, like I think it's also a disparity, like you know, with this things like with the Nintendo Switch and stuff, where it's a, a console on the go and you don't really want to be carrying physical media. For something like mm. that, I I like the idea of digital libraries and stuff like that. But for yeah, for, sure. for for a home console, like I don't mind getting up and you know, changing the game, changing the disc, whatever. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm still iffy about that, but I mean, you know, as we said, it's the way that it's moving. Um, and a lot of people have already adapted to it with, you know, like, uh, steam libraries and stuff like that. I mean, like if people owned physical copies of every game they have in their steam library, um, I'm pretty yeah, sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they, they'd have a room that would look like a library, yeah, um, I just don't know. think I'd have an apartment anymore, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you know, in that in that respect, yes, um, you know, digital games are the way to go. But I guess because consoles are a little more sort of you know out of the way, uh, you know, you don't get as many games as you would on the PC and stuff like that. Then yeah, I still I still prefer the physical media. So yeah, and so so do I. I think, but in saying that, you know, I I definitely do prefer um digital uh, on my Switch because you're right that portability is a big factor. Um, and my Steam library, I dread to think how many games in there. It's been a while since I've done a count, but yeah, if I had all that physically, like it just wouldn't make sense. Like you can have such a more expansive, more easily accessible when it's digital. So I get that. I get the benefits of it. But yeah, there's still this like little part of me that kinda of hangs on to the physical side of things. Um and I guess there's like always in the back of my mind the worry that digital media can sort of disappear. It can sort of go away. Um like on Netflix we see um stuff being cycled in and out all the time, right? Um distribution kind of rights get in the way of of media sort of being coming available on different territories. Um and in the sort of 
game space as well, we, we see stuff disappear. Um, silly example would be like Flappy Bird, right? Like the developer decided to take that off and unless you had it already installed, it was gone. Um, the same with PT, I guess, even though that was a demo, although that was, that was only available digitally. So once that was removed, uh, unless you again had that installed on your hard drive already, there was no way to reaccess that. Um, like stuff, stuff can just kind of go missing and never again see the light of day. Um, do you have any concerns about that, Stephen, about digital media sort of like disappearing into the ether? Yeah, I think it's probably, gosh, I could go on about it for a long time, but I won't. (laughs) I think sort of there's two ways to look at it. Like there's, if you have something physically and you're thinking of say in 10 years time, am I going to be able to play this or how accessible is this going to be? And Mm. say you look, if you're wanting to find games for PS1, for example, you have to physically find a copy and Mm. it's sort of a little bit less accessible than just, oh, look, there's unlimited copies available on PSN. But on the other side of the coin, you've got stuff like that you can't sell digitally because it's licensed for the music only covered it up until a certain year. And from that point, it wasn't like monetarily worthwhile to bring up that uh, that license again. So yeah. if that's digital only, stuff like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, the game, I think it's called. Um, mm. Yeah, like that. You just can't. If you've bought it already, you can still re-download it. But if you haven't bought it, there's literally no way to get access to that game if you were too late to the party and that's yeah sort of a downfall of digital it's it yeah i don't know which one i prefer i'm generally going digital mostly now because i've i've moved house a lot moved state once and man if i the amount of physical games i just had to leave back in wa because they wouldn't fit in the car kind of make me wish i went all digital a bit earlier but yeah yeah there's there, there is some advantage to physical. In, I mean, I, I buy music on vinyl sometimes, so I can't really say that I'm not a physical media person either. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. We're, we could have a much longer conversation, I'm sure, but uh, in the interest of time, we should probably move on. But it is interesting <laughs> that sort of like that kind of resistance i think to digital like we see people buying vinyl a lot more now and i'm fascinated by the sort of um the popularization i guess of polaroid once again like something that's you know innately physical and um, it'll be interesting to see if the same thing happens again because like you know how people will say vinyl sounds better and that's kind of debatable but at least with streaming it will be a fact like streaming will be at a lower bit rate because internet can't stream yeah. data as fast as something can natively process it so yeah. you know, maybe you'll have people like i only play games natively because i get the full 4k image out of it whereas you only get like low bitrate 4k you plebe yeah yeah i like i like the idea of streaming but if you were able to kind of like you can on netflix kind of like download it onto your machine and and play so like, it without an like game pass well. now basically yeah yeah exactly yeah do it do it playstation come on yeah, two birds kind of thing. Anyhow, um, <laughs> let's just quickly, I want to discuss a little bit about Fortnite balancing because it's kind of a bit of a hot topic at the moment. Um, we were talked a little bit about season five at the start of the show and some of the changes they made there. Um, but he was being like, he was juggling back and forth with SMG powers and stuff and, and they're really sort of fiddling around with the building mechanics now and, and how many resources you can carry and there's talk of them doing it a little bit further. Um, Matt, you've played a bit of Fortnite with those. I don't know how recently you've played played i was playing um, last night oh you played last night there you go yeah. uh what do you what do you think of the sort of changes to building and weapons and, and the sort of balance i guess between combat and construction so i did notice a couple of like it, it did feel like 
I don't know, like a, a little sort of disorienting getting into it last night. I mean, like I I played it for probably a, a little bit since the huge update where they changed the map. Um, mm. And then now with the first birthday update. And it feels like there's a little bit of a tweaking like that I'm probably going to have to get used to because like there's no point in complaining because they won't change it. Um but there was sort of like a, yeah, a little bit of a noticeable change in sort of building and stuff. And I mm. think the weapons have kind of gone a bit askew again. I mean, like I remember, uh, at one point we were talking about, uh, how they had, uh, strengthened, uh, SMGs and everything. And I think I realized the, the reason they were doing that is because they've launched the P90, um, mm. into it, which is the, you know, sort of the, the compact gold, SMG. Yeah. The, co- the, like the gold, golden blue and purple tier one or the gold and the, the purple tier one, you know, um, which is the top of the range SMG. So I have a feeling that in doing that, that's why they were you know making it stronger is to, to kind of, you know, give the others a boost and, and balance it and everything. I don't mind them making the SMG stronger. Um, only because we know that a lot of the other guns are kind of broken anyway because Epic loves shotguns and, and, you know, <laughs> um, so, and whatever. Um, I think the, the biggest issue, though, is, is still... Um, I, I feel like, you know, you get involved in some firefights where you're kind of close to the enemies and whatever, and I feel like there's still a ways to go with, like, hit detection and stuff, and it might have gone a little bit backwards because I feel like in some fights where you're literally smacking someone in the head, you know, repetitively with mm. ammunition, um, and you're only doing, like, small amounts of damage, but the next minute they come up and they've got a similar weapon and they basically down you, um, like... Yes, I'm not that great of a player. But at the same, <laughs> you know, I'm not. I'm not going to chalk it up to oh, the game's broken just because I play like shit. But um, <laughs> I feel. I feel like there still is a little bit of a, an imbalance, especially in some firefights, like where I've I've had like a gold or a purple weapon, like assault rifle, and been relatively close and pumping them full of ammunition, and then they'll bust out an SMG or something, and you know, basically waste me before I get the chance to waste them, even though, like, theoretically, you'd think that the, mm. strong, the stronger weapon would waste them faster, so... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it's still technically an early access, and, and it's sort of easy to forget that, that all these changes are sort of kind of rolling out on the fly, and we perhaps need to sort of be a bit more patient with sort of balancing issues, and I kind of get them sort of coming and going and experimenting with different things, Um and I think, you know, it adds to the sort of changing nature of the game. Like, when they buffed the SMGs, everyone sort of shifted away from shotguns and used them for close quarters. Um, and that kind of, like, changed up the pace of the game a bit as well. Do you think we, we kind of do just need to be a bit more patient, Stephen? Is it just sort of a matter of time before they get this all right? I do really hope they get it all right, because I, I think they're making moves in the right direction, especially mm-hmm. with regards to how building's changing, because... I haven't played since I think it was Wednesday the patch came out or maybe Tuesday that seems like it has changed the starting health and build time of certain structures. And I really am curious to see how that changes the game because the thing that has probably pushed me closest to thinking, "Hmm, man, maybe I'm getting sick of Fortnite is anytime I feel like I lose fights because I haven't got the hang of building as well as some people. And yeah. some people just, and that's I don't, a common story, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's because they're using a mouse and keyboard, which I discovered you can do with zero issue on PS4 the other day. Mm. Um, like people just seem to be able to, when you're watching them 
just like within the space of half a second have like a full cube ramp structure, like jump, jump, have multiple layers high within a second or two. And yep. it just seems superhuman. Whereas me, I'm like struggling to get a wall and a ramp out just as a bit of cover. And I don't know. It, it I always feel like kind of cheated. It's like, cool. If I can get this shot on, I will, you know, I'll be able to take this dude out and I'll be able to win. But yeah, I, you know, get one shot and then there's 17,000 walls off and it's like, well, I can't really deal with this. I either just yeah. have to turtle up into my own little building or just give up and find someone else. It's kind of... And I think that's <laughs> what they're trying to avoid, these sort of like end game build-offs that were sort of really yes. sort of dominating the, especially the sort of, yeah, those kind of like final circles. Um, and you you had to kind of like get good at it. Like you kind of had to learn it. Um, it's something that me and my squad have, have tried to improve and, and, and tried to get better at building. And we switched like to build the pro on console. I've been trying to get better on PC. Um, but I'd be guilty to say if we we hadn't exploited that. You know, I've had games where um, we've kind of platformed out and covered the entire surgical with the floor uh, and trapped <laughs> the the remaining enemies down beneath it. Um, so they had no clue where we were and we had a bunch of support structures uh, and we were basically able to like let the circle kind of close them out or eventually like punch holes and just snipe them as they moved. Or I've um, seen some people who was... have just literally built walls so that people can't get into the safe area. Yeah. And they just have to die in the storm. It's like, I, d- yeah. I hope they don't change it too much. It's a fine line to walk because it is, it's really the game's DNA. If you take mm. out the building or nerf building that it's so much that it's not really viable anymore, it becomes yeah. cartoon PUBG, which it's yeah. not really trying to be. The forts are really, it's, it's selling point and they're, they're a really fantastic thing. But I don't know. I, I do think I've I've gotten better at building once I decided, similar to you, I was like, I, okay, the people that seem to be destroying me, they seem to be good at building. I need to work mm. this out. So I changed up the controls a bit and I've got a little bit better, but yeah, just need to dedicate more time maybe. Yeah, you are right though. I think the building is central to the game and hopefully they can strike the right balance. I, I have confidence that they will be able to do that. Yeah. Uh, whether or not I have confidence that you guys will guess all the games and what the wiki, though, remains to be seen. I think it's going to be for a tough, tough one this week. Uh, reminder that what the wiki is a sarcastic game show where the host reads part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game, and you, the contestants, including those of you at home, must guess the game. Um, thanks to the official what the wiki keeper of the score at Jamie Penning over on Twitter, uh, reminding us that Stephen took out the last round over Matt, bringing the scores to eight to James, six to Brody, four to Stephen, and one to Matt. Uh, so once again, with James and Brody not here, you guys have a chance to close in on their lead, especially you. Stephen at four points. You're just two points behind Brody at the moment. Okay. Um, I'll load up the games. Uh, and the first one, once again, comes from uh, the official What the Wiki Keeper of the Score, Jamie Penning. Reminder that you too can suggest a game for What the Wiki. Just uh, slide into my DMs and I will uh, throw it in the mix. Um, yeah, word of warning. I think they're, uh, they are a little bit tougher this week. We're trying to make them a little bit tougher. Um, and there's a bit of a theme to the last two, but that is the all the clues I will give you for now. Game number one. Contestants, are you ready? Yeah. Ready. The game is an action role-playing video game developed by Nihon Falcom and the seventh installment in the video game series. It was released in Japan during 2009 for the Sony PlayStation Portable. Steven. Steven. Is this E7? It is E7. Well Hell yeah. <laughs> I knew when you, when you mentioned, I don't know if it was like during the show or like before we started recording that you'd been playing some of the E8. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, he's going to guess this really quickly. Oh. Yeah, I was literally like yesterday looking, oh, I wonder where E7 is. Oh, look, it's on PSP on PSN. And so, yeah, I'm glad I did that. I <laughs> smell collusion here. <laughs> you just got to be an East fan, man. 
Do you? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you know? Um, do you know what the uh, link was for this week? Um, oh, Nihon Falcom. Um, aside from me playing E8, no, I've got no idea. I think Memories of is it Memories of Celsita was receiving a worldwide release on PC this week. I think yesterday it came really? out. Really? Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. That's, that's I think really it cool. came out on Windows in China in 2015 or something and got a worldwide release yesterday. Interesting. Something yeah, it's bizarre been out like on, that. Yeah, it, it's been on Vita here for a while, but yeah, I didn't even know it had a PC release. So enjoy that yeah. game. It, it's pretty great. I hear. Yeah, there you go. I thought that was uh, quite interesting. Uh, anyhow, props to you there, Stephen. You guessed that real quick. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the mistake of being an Ease fan. He's all <laughs> over it. Uh, all right, game number two. Got to guess this to stay in the stay in the round, Matt. The game is a crossover racing video game. The game was first developed by Pipe Dream and was released for the Game Boy Color in 2000, whilst versions for different platforms were released in subsequent years. Nearly all versions were developed by Software Creations, with the exception of the Game Boy Advance version, which was developed by Crawfish Interactive, and the arcade version, which was developed by Chicago Gaming. The Game Boy Color version received negative reviews, and the PlayStation version received mixed to positive reviews, while the Game Boy Advance port received positive reviews. Matt? Matt? I'm going to like jump out on a limb here. but I'd it... be impressed if you got this right now. Go on. Is it uh, Nicktoons Racing? It is Nicktoons Racing. <laughs> well Dude, done. Wow. <laughs> How did you guess that? Because they announced a brand new one for the Switch today. They did, yeah, um, but I had no idea that there was an orig- like there was another version. Like, I was just I- struggling to think of a time when you'd release a game on Game Boy Color, PlayStation, Game Boy Advance, and Arcade. Yeah, I mean, well, that the Arcade was the one that stumped me because I was thinking uh, originally, like I was thinking Diddy Kong Racing. I was like, no, that wasn't on certain platforms and stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, that yeah. Well, obviously, well, we got a new Nickelodeon kart racing game announced today. I believe it's coming to other consoles as well, not just the Switch. Um, but yeah, this was released back in 2000, initially on the Game Boy Color. Um, and it would uh, have the characters, including characters from Rugrats, SpongeBob, Ren and Stimpy, R, Real Monsters, Hey Arnold, Angry Beavers, Cat Dog, and the Wild Thornbreeze, competing for the top prize uh, in the Grand Prix, the Krusty Krab Big Bun Award. It legit blows go. my mind that SpongeBob is that old. Like I feel that show yeah, came dude. out after I stopped really watching cartoons and now for that game to or for that show to be 18 years old, it's like Yeah. Oh, I'm withering away. I I grew up with SpongeBob like it started kind of at that sort of time when I was watching Nicktoons and I can't believe yeah, it's still going and still relevant. Steven um, Steven the thing here is to never stop watching cartoons. Yeah, um, that's true. I, Rugrats yeah. is coming back, man. Rugrats is coming back. Hooray. Thank you for that. <laughs> he, look, he looks terrifying right. on that cover, Tommy does. I, I don't like that one bit. Yeah, mm, good point. Uh, okay, <laughs> so it comes down to a tiebreaker now. Um, so whoever guessed this uh, this next one uh, will take home the points for the round. Uh, and a reminder as well that I said there was a, a connection between these last two games. Hmm. The game received average to mixed responses when released in 2001. Some praised the game, calling it an accomplished kart racer and a welcome addition to the then short list of PlayStation 2 titles. Others, however, felt that while the game was mechanically sound, the Star Wars setting and appearance felt tacked on. Steven. And therefore, Steven? Star Wars Super Bombad Racing? Yeah, how did you... (laughs) 
<laughs> it's the only Star Wars kart racer that I can think of. And like, I, it's, I was like, mm, is it episode one racer? No, it's too, too late for that. It's, yeah, it was a good guess. Uh, your, you guys, your knowledge of video games astounds me. I had I no idea this that. was a thing. I never would have got that. insane. I was like reading about it. So uh, it's based on characters from episode one, uh, four and uh, six. I don't know. Yeah. This is where Wikipedia gets bizarre. I, I literally um, only know it from an ad in like a PS PlayStation magazine years and years ago. So I've never played it, but I know that Darth Maul had a big head. Yes. Yeah, that's it. So like it was criticized for turning Star Wars into a childish cut racer. Um, and that the criticism was down to the uh, playable characters being portrayed in humorous light in the super deformed style featuring unusually large heads and small bodies. <laughs> Oh the no, game was Star only Wars has never been the... not serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the game was only available for the PlayStation 2 as the Dreamcast, Windows, and Apple Macintosh versions were all cancelled. Wow. There was there a Mac version. <laughs> yeah. I w- and this, the Super Bombad Racing as well. Like, I just, I thought the title honestly might trip you guys up. Like, you guys might have heard of it, but couldn't remember, like, Bombad. Like, oh, that is a memorable title, man. I, I still, <laughs> I can see that ad in my mind. It was very effective. It didn't work because I didn't buy it, but I can still remember it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, bravo, Stephen. Uh, you've uh, certainly earned the points there. Uh, and that has closed the gap between you and Brody now. You're on just on five points. So just one point behind him. Hell uh, yeah. On six. And uh, James still uh, solidly out in the lead on... Am I getting that the right way around on eight? Yes, yes James that's how out, I'm reading it. With that, let's bring an end to what was episode 147 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au and visit the site at press.com.au. You can join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast. Let us know what you would like us to discuss or what games you would like us to try and guess in the next week's round of What the Wiki. Uh, we've been joined today by Stephen. Hey, uh, you can find me on the internet at Stephen Impson, uh, S-T-E-V-I. I can't spell my name. It'll be in the show notes or something. Um, yeah, I'm Stephen Impson on Twitter, on Instagram. Follow me for great takes on PS2 games at the moment, weirdly yeah. enough. Oh. Yeah, you and uh, you and James are sort of like on a kick of going back and playing classic PS2 games. Huh? Playing old horror games and, man, some of these ones get wild. Are they still scary? The one I'm playing at the moment, it's called Rule of Rose. I don't know that I'd really call it scary as much as just thematically consistently disturbing. Okay. All right. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, also gracing us with his presence in between rounds of uh, Rocket League, it is Matt. Hey, I haven't been playing since before the start cast, so. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at MVZamari, or you can find me on Instagram at MatthewVZ. I'm never going to make the two handles the same, um, <laughs> so stop asking. Um <laughs> Yeah, come come hit me up on Twitter or something. We can play Fortnite or something. I don't know. That sounds good. I'd be down to play some Fortnite uh, tonight if you're keen, Matt. I don't know well, if my I'm, squad's assembled. I'm never going to say no. Okay, so. I'll let you know. Uh, I've been your host, Ewan Roxborough, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ewan underscore Roxborough. And until next time, happy gaming. Bye. See ya. Bye.